Welcome to Lesson Impossible, an exploration of educational innovation. I'm your host, Aviva Levin. As always, I'm chatting with educators of all types who are on the forefront of pedagogy or making effective changes to old practices. Your mini lesson, should you choose to accept it, is to consider a new resource, GimKit, a game show for the classroom. The resource specialists assigned to help you with this task are Josh Feinsilber and Jeff Osborne. Welcome to another installment of the Meet the Resources series, where I feature the educational equivalent of gecko gloves, smart contacts, or flute guns. Technology that has been created to make your impossible lessons actually possible. A reminder that Lesson Impossible receives no compensation for featuring resources, just the satisfaction of knowing that somewhere a student might be more engaged in their learning, or a teacher might be able to leave work a little bit earlier. All right, well, I've got Jeff and Josh here today from Gimket for another Meet Our Resource episode. I'm really excited to have both of you. Welcome. Thanks, Aviva. Thanks for having us. I'm sure everybody is wondering who are Jeff and Josh and what is Gimkit. So if you don't mind sharing that with us, that'd be wonderful. You know, Jeff, I feel like I always go first on these things. So I'm going to have you go first this time. Oh, putting me on the spot. Uh, thank you for having us, Aviva. Uh, I'm Jeff Osborne, uh, co-founder of Gimkit. I'll let Josh introduce himself. Uh, but Gimkit is a game show for the classroom. Uh, Josh created it as a high school project uh, several years ago. I'll let him get into uh, who he is and all the nitty gritty of that. Well, you know, I think you got, I think you got most of it. Yeah. So I started Gimkit as a high school project. I went to a project-based learning high school, which is where I had the opportunity to start it in the first place. And Jeff and I met shortly after I launched it. He kind of came on as a mentor, just kind of help, helping me out. And then it kind of slowly grew and grew and eventually became something I could work on. Jeff could work on after I graduated high school. I have to ask, what project sparked this? My high school, I mean, was, is, I went there, but it's still in existence. It's super unique. It is basically the opposite of any other high school that you might be used to. So anything you can think of, my school pretty much doesn't do or does the opposite. So we had no grades. We had no set curriculum. We called teachers by their first name. We didn't have any bells, all that kind of stuff. And instead, all of our schoolwork was put into projects. Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, we'd show up to the school building and we'd work on those projects. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, we wouldn't show up to school at all. We actually would go to an internship somewhere at a local company or organization and gather real world skills from them and hopefully use those towards like future projects. So that's kind of how our school works. Obviously a whole lot different than what you're used to. And I started Gimkit like the tail end of my sophomore year and for the entirety of my sophomore year, I was just learning how to code and I was really enjoying it. That's what I got my that's what I got my internship with. That's what I was doing my prior projects. But I'd done like a lot of smaller projects up to that point, you know, one or two month things. And I really wanted to work on something that would challenge myself from an engineering perspective. So it all really, I mean, I was lucky enough that it was able to fully come from me. It wasn't like a teacher assigned project that was, hey, you know, go make a game or go build this or that, you know, it was just me 
thinking, I really want to improve my engineering skills and building a full product. I didn't realize it was going to be a game at the time is what I decided to work on. Getting into the mechanics, because I know that the teachers listening are thinking, all right, like, well, how can I use this in my classroom? You, like you said, you've got the game portion and then you've got ink, which is the writing tool. Let's start with the original game. What does that look like and how is it different than, let's say, a Kahoot, which I know has gotten a lot of press and a lot of teachers on board recently? Yeah, well, it's funny enough, Kahoot and Quizlet Live, which is another game, was my inspiration to go ahead and make the game in the first place. Because I started at this new school when I was in my sophomore year, but I went to a traditional high school for my first year of high school, so my ninth grade year. And for the most part, I was not engaged at all, but I definitely was engaged when we, when I played Kahoot and Quizlet Live. And so when I was trying to think about what game or what product I wanted to make, I ended up going with the game because I just loved using those in traditional school. So those were definitely big inspirations. And kind of from the start, I was like, I love these games, but you know, they don't do everything for me. I feel like there's, there's definitely some ways it can be improved and, and different. And that's kind of uh, what got me started way back in the day. But anyway, how's it different? So first things first, it's totally self-paced. So students answer questions on their own device at their own pace. There's no reward for answering quickly. They just answer questions as they go. Another thing, questions repeat. So students don't just see a question a single time. They'll go through questions multiple times, as many times until the game ends. But the big difference is in how the gameplay works. So, you know, most of the games you might be used to are for the most part, the the entirety of the game mechanics is just answering questions. And maybe you get points and maybe get some more points if you answer quickly or you get a streak. But in GimKit, there are a ton of mechanics. Whenever you answer a question correctly, you gain a dollar. If you get a question incorrect, you lose a dollar. And what you start to do is you start to earn a little bit of money. And of course, this is in-game money. So you start to earn a little bit of money. And then what you can go do is go into the shop and use that money that you earn by answering questions correctly and purchase upgrades. And these upgrades like, are money per question. So how much money you earn per question you can buy an upgrade for streak bonus for getting multiple questions correct in a row. You can purchase insurance. If you get a question incorrect, you don't have to pay back as much. And so students work their way up by purchasing these upgrades, reinvesting their cash, and eventually they're earning millions and millions of dollars per question. And so there's a strategic element to it. There's also, uh, there's also power-ups, which are kind of fun, unique items. If you've, ever, if you've ever played Mario Kart, right? think about those items that you get. It's like that, but inside this game. And so some of these power-ups um, allow you to take action on another player. You can give them a gift. You can freeze their screen for 15 seconds. There are power-ups that allow you to play music on the teacher's screen. So just a bunch of fun, cool, and unique items. And that all kind of comes together for a really fun experience because there's you need to have the right knowledge of the content. You need to have the right strategy. And you have fun purchasing all this stuff throughout the way. So it's the most, you know, it's a very video game-esque experience. But of course, the learning the learning remains the center, right? In order to use all those video game-esque things, you've got to answer questions correctly. I really like the aspect of not being timed and being rewarded for being quick. 
I was interviewing someone recently talking about math anxiety and people's perception of who is and who isn't a math person. And we were talking about timed math drills, and that's often where students develop their math anxiety. And it can be really those timed experiences can be really off-putting. Like some students thrive, but some don't. And so I, I love that there's another way to have trivia, or I shouldn't say trivia, another way to have like learning experiences through games where it isn't that anxiety moment for students. Yep. And, and to add to that, most of the games you'll find inside a game kit, you know, they all have those upgrades and power-ups. And then typically the objective is to be the person with the most money by the time the game ends. And so there's that competition there. And most students do end up liking that. It's a really good competing factor. They want to earn more money than their peers. But we also have a bunch of we have a bunch of unique game modes that sit on top of what I just mentioned. And these are typically what are the student and teacher favorites are these unique game modes that we're usually constantly bringing out. We just had one that came out that's based on Among Us. We have a Floor is Lava mode. We have a Humans versus Zombies mode. And these modes... Some of them don't have students compete against each other, and instead they have to work together. And uh, when you talk about anxiety, we've heard from a lot of students and their teachers that they've liked these modes where they all work together. So our floor is lava mode is one where students are all working together, answering questions, and then they purchase um, buildings to make their building taller, their collected building as a class to stay above the lava, and they try to survive as a class as long as they can. And so if, if your students aren't as competitive, you know, we also have those game modes available for you that are ones where your entire class works together. And, you know, you kind of got to balance it out to kind of see what your class likes. But we've seen the ones where classes work together be really big hits. And are these designed to be done either in like a virtual class or an in-person class done synchronously? Or are there ways that it can be done asynchronously as well? Jeff, you want to go over this one? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I was just going to let you roll on, man. You're, you're rolling. Um, yeah. So Josh also has an assignments feature in GimKit that allows teachers to take kits that they make or kits made by other teachers and assign those out to students to be done asynchronously. Um, so rather uh, than competing against other students during an assignment, um, students are just trying to reach a certain goal, whether that's a cash goal or a time limit goal. So they're still playing uh, the game of GimKit, but it's more siloed off and uh, they're um, uh, not worrying so much about other students and just focused on uh, their learning and and how much they're, they're earning and acquiring. And so you mentioned that other teachers will have created those kits. Those are accessible for for other teachers to then use for themselves? Right. We've got a feature in GimKit called Question Bank. Question Bank allows teachers who are creating uh, kits inside of GimKit to grab questions from any other kit inside of GimKit. They can take an entire kit or they can just take questions and pick and choose what they want. So as they're creating um, their, their content in GimKit, 
they can also search and grab questions created by others. What kind of technology do students need to be able to have access to in order to participate? So for GimKit Live, students can participate on a a mobile device or a a laptop. You know, a lot of students have um, Chromebooks or uh, iPads from the school, or they can can use, you know, a phone or uh, something like that to participate in GimKit Live. Uh, so you need an interconnect, internet connection and then some kind of device. What is the pricing like? Uh, do you have different levels or, yeah, what does it look like when a teacher would like to subscribe to this? Yeah, so one cool thing is that Josh hasn't changed the price of GimKit uh, since he launched it as a school project. So when he was working on GimKit and wanted to m- make it available for everybody, uh, he realized, hey, I'm going to need uh, to pay for server costs. Um, so he had a free version, um, but also the opportunity to uh, pay for GimKit right away. And that, that price has stayed the same um, since it was a school project, which is cool. So even though you know we've grown as a company and added a lot, we, we haven't changed that price. Um, so for uh, uh, about $5 a month, uh, which totals out to $59.88 uh, per year, so $60 a year. Um, and we also have uh, group pricing, uh, and, and our group system is about a year old. I'm really proud of it. Uh, it's something Josh worked really hard on, and it and it has made um, getting you know purchasing a group uh, uh, really simple and easy. It's it's pretty much fully automated, uh, and we just have two plans. Uh, we have department, so that covers up to 20 teachers, and that's $650 a year. And then we have a school level, which covers an entire school, and that's a thousand dollars a year. So we tried to make that really simple, um, so that it's that it's easy for um, teachers and administrators to understand and use. And then um, also uh, uploading a purchase order or paying by credit card—that's all uh, in, instant and automated. Also, so uh, once once a school has a purchase order, they can upload it right away and get instant access to the group. You know, they don't have to go back and forth with us. There's no sales calls. We don't review purchase orders and slow slow the process down. Uh, we just have that really simple pricing so it's easy to get going for groups. And for the single teacher, like if I'm a high school teacher and I'm teaching seven classes of 30 kids, I'm still only paying five bucks a month? Right. Yep. Yeah, we don't limit. Um, so we don't we don't say, hey, you know, uh, you have to pay uh, more if you have more students. Um, it's we the the um, cost of pro just covers an upgrade for one account. Um, so uh, if a teacher has an account, no matter how many students they use GimKit with, uh, they're paying that same price. That is really cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and as you can tell, I, I mean, I don't know that Josh would uh, toot his own horn, but I'm really proud that we uh, that that price hasn't gone up. You know, as as popularity for GimKit went up, um, and we added more, and then took on more costs uh, with the company. You know, Josh at any point could have uh, raised the, the the price, and you know, uh, been sort of uh, justified in that. But it's been really important to him from the beginning to keep GimKit as um, cost effective for teachers as possible. And then again, with, with groups, you know, he, uh, we've really made an effort to, um, have fewer teachers paying out of pocket. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk to me about GimKit. And I can tell that both of you are very passionate about what you're doing and that's always amazing to hear as well. So thank you so much.
Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Great to meet you and uh, really appreciate you making the time for us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. This was a, a great conversation and thanks for making it happen. This episode will not self-destruct in five seconds, but will remain available on your preferred podcasting platform. Lesson Impossible is proud to be one of the many amazing school rubric podcasts. Links to resources or people we mentioned and information in general about the podcast can be found at LessonImpossible.com. If you enjoy the podcast, you can help other listeners discover it by rating and reviewing on iTunes, forwarding it to a colleague, or posting a link in your favorite educational chat. This has been Lesson Impossible, and I was your host, Aviva Levin. 